Good evening. It's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank everyone for being here with us tonight. If you are visiting with us, you have blessed us with your presence here uh, tonight. We hope that you find yourself comfortable. We hope that you find yourself edified and benefited by being here. As we see that every time we have the opportunity to open God's Word, to study God's Word, and let God's Word work in our lives, we will gain that benefit by being here and, stu and studying God's Word. We're on Acts chapter 22 tonight. We, we are continuing. We're, we're doing our... Our chapter studies here on Wednesday nights in the book of Acts. We're on Acts chapter 22. So we're starting to get towards the end of, of the book of Acts. And, and it's mostly focused on Paul and, 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 the, and, and the things of Paul's, the trials, him going before court and all these things and, and him being examined and then his boat ride and all these things that we, that we will get to and then his journey to Rome and all these things are kind of starting to come to an end here. But he's made it to Jerusalem here. He's gone through his, what we call his third missionary journey. His, his, third, miss, his third missionary missionary journey is over, and he's here in, in Jerusalem. And where, where Brother Aaron left us off, we are basically picking right up from that last chapter, chapter 21. If you look at it, or if you, you were here the last Wednesday night that we had a study, Acts chapter 21 pretty much leaves off exactly where Acts chapter 22 begins. And it's kind of the same for the, uh, the next chapter as well. So as we're studying, let's try to study all the, the, these chapters uh, together as they go along. So he's in Jerusalem. He's still in the, in the exact same spot, so I have no need for this map. But I have the map up here anyways. So it gives me an excuse not only to have the map, but also to kind of recap some of the things that, 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 that we've been talking about. Paul has gone through this third missionary journey. He's gone through here, and he's back here at Jerusalem. And while he's there at Jerusalem, he goes and he visits the elders, and the elders give him a task. That's what Brother Aaron talked about. Take these young men. The, uh, they, they've got this, um, this thing that they, that, they need, that they need to do, and they go to this temple, and they shave their heads, and they have this thing going on in the temple there, right? But these people see Paul, and they know who Paul is, and they know who Paul's been teaching, and he's been teaching and he's been preaching to the Gentiles. So as he's in this temple, these other Jews, these Jews from Asia, as, as they said, come to those, those people there, and they stir up a mob. And they said, this Paul preaches against the things of, uh, of the temple. He preaches against the law of Moses. And not only that, he brought Gentiles into the temple and defiled this temple. And that wasn't true. But that's what they accused him of, and it made these people angry. So they took Paul, and they beat Paul. And they had this giant riot. And then these chief, this chief captain and this centurion from, from that last chapter kind of almost rescue Paul. They get Paul, and they bring him away from the mob, and they have to carry him because he's been beaten. Not only do they carry him because he's been beaten, but as Aaron pointed out, that they probably carried him away to keep him safe because these people wanted to kill him. They wanted to murder Paul for the things that he was doing, the things that he was teaching, and just who the man that Paul was. Paul was going about teaching the Gentiles, and he's going to tell them about that here in this chapter, and they still don't like it. They don't like it, but that's what Jesus has appointed for Saul or Paul to do. So he's made it here to, to, uh, to uh, Jerusalem, and we're basically picking up right where Aaron left off. They've beaten Paul They've carried Paul away, or they're trying to carry Paul away. And then Paul says here at the very last verse in Acts chapter 21, verse 40, the Bible says that when he had given him license, because what, what, what Paul has done is said, let me speak to the people. 
And he was like, I thought you were some Egyptian that was causing all this trouble and all, the, all this kind of stuff. And Paul's basically like, that, not, that's not me. I'd like to speak to these people. And it says here that that, that, that person that, that had him, that captain there, he said that he gave him license. And Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when, there was a, and, and when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, and here in Acts chapter 22, verse 1 is where we pick off immediately where that left off. He says, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he saith, and I want to stop there for just a second. Remember, Paul was just beaten. Paul was beaten. He was bruised. They had to carry him away from these people. And he says, I'd like to speak to these people that just got done beating me. And put yourself in Paul's shoes. That's probably not the first thing that I'm going to say is, where's the stretcher? Please take me away. I'll come back tomorrow. But Paul is an apostle. Paul is a servant of God. He is a servant of Jesus Christ, and he knows his mission is to teach and to preach. And he wants to take the time to talk to these people, maybe try to convince them and make them understand of who he is and why he does the things that he does. And I can just see him. He's beckoning with his hands. I don't know what that motion is. I don't know if he's leaning or not. The, the man is probably beat up. But he says, let me speak to these people. And they hear him speak in the Hebrew tongue. So they get even more quiet. And that's the amazing thing. They want to kill him, and they're going to recap that later at, the, at the, the end of the chapter, but they're listening to him anyways. And Paul takes the opportunity to try to teach and make people that don't like him understand what Jesus and God wants them to do, what's he, why he's doing the things that he's doing. And he says there in verse 3 of Acts chapter 22, I am verily a, a man which am a Jew, Born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought I up in this city at the feet of, uh, of uh, um, Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God, as ye all are this day. Verse 4, And I persecuted th th this way unto death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, as also the high priest does bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters un uh, uh, unto the brethren. And went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. So he kind of just recaps. He's like, you, you guys understand who I am. You guys are Jews. I get that. Paul could relate to these people 100% because that was his life. He said, I was a Jew. Not only that, I was brought up at the feet of this great teacher, this rabbi, this person who was a great doctor of the law that they knew. All those Jews there in Jerusalem in that temple knew who, who uh, Gamaliel was. And he says, I was very zealous, just as you are. And to me, that would make me listen. He's like, I get you. You're zealous. I was the same way. So just listen. And he says, I was persecuting this way to death, taking people, and I had letters, I had rights, I had people backing me up, lawfully, so to speak, able to take people into prison and kill them. So he said, I was there. But to me, what he's doing right here in these verses is he's kind of setting up his audience. He knows who he's talking to. And he wants to make sure he sets it up just right before he brings that message of what happened to him on the road to Damascus. You know, he, he, he brings up there uh, uh, Gamaliel. And if you recall from our study in Acts chapter 5, verse 34, the Bible says, Then stood there up one in the council, 
a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people, and that was a good reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. This was from Acts chapter 5, where, 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 where Peter and John were taken before this council, and they were upset because they said, don't teach Jesus. And they said, well, we're going to do what God tells us to do, not what man tells us to do. And then they're wanting to beat him. And Gamaliel says, hey, give them a little space. If it is of God, you don't want to find yourselves fighting against God. So the, the man's got some wisdom there. And they knew who that was. So he brings him up, I think, on purpose. He says, I was taught. I was zealous for the, for, uh, for, for, for the, for the traditions of my fathers. But what Paul does is something that I think we should do is he tries to meet people where they're at. He knows they're Jews. He knows they're upset. And he's like, look, let me just explain to you that I was a Jew just like you, and I had all these things in common. But anytime Paul gets the opportunity to preach, he tries to put himself in that audience. And he tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you have a Bible or some other device there, I encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. We're going to read verses 16 through 23 so we can kind of get a better mindset of how Paul approaches these situations. He approaches these situations in his life when he's trying to teach people. He approaches these situations the same way when he's writing here these letters. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, this is Paul writing to that church there at Corinth. He says in verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Of necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a disposition of the gospel a commitment unto me uh, uh, is committed unto me verse 18 what is my reward then barely that which i preach the gospel i may make the gospel of christ without charge that i may abuse not my power in the gospel verse 19 for though i be free from all men yet have i made myself servant unto all that i may gain the more and unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law of God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. Verse 22. To the weak became I weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by that I might by all means save some. Verse 23, And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. So you see Paul's mindset. It's the mindset that we should have. He says, To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I can gain them and bring them to Christ. Those that are under the law, like the audience and the people that he's preaching to right now, I become them so that I can gain them to the weak, to the Gentiles. He talks to people and he meets people where they're at. And he relates to these people so that he can bring them and gain them here for Christ. And I think that's what he's doing here as he's setting up before he tells them what happens to him. He's saying, I get you guys. I understand I was the same way. I was zealous. Not only that, I was so zealous. I wanted all these Christians to die, bringing them to prison. So he kind of gets them in that mindset, gets them to understand who he is, and then he goes and tells them. And I think in the back of his mind, not only is he giving a defense, because that's what he's doing, he's giving a defense I think if he has the opportunity to gain souls of Christ, he's going to do it no matter where he is and no matter what state he is in. And it should be the same for us as well. Acts chapter 22, verse 6 now, he says, And it came to pass, he starts telling them what happened to him. He's giving his defense there. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus at about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me, and I fell under the ground. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. So here he's, he's telling them what happened to him. And we've heard this story before. Many of us know, know, know the story real well. And this time, if you haven't, focused on the questions that Paul asks. He says, who are you? And Jesus said, I am Jesus. And then Paul asks more questions as he, goes, as he goes about. Focused on the questions that Saul is asking. And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Verse, uh, verse 9, it says, And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And, and, and I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of the light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. So if you re re remember from Acts chapter 9, you know this story. We've already gone through this story. And, he, and, and he's saying here, his next question is, what shall I do? So for, or for one, put yourself in, in Paul or Saul's shoes. Jesus appears to you. You ask who it is. It's Jesus. And then the next question is, what do you want me to do? He probably thinks I'll do anything that you want, want me to do. He very much believes at this point. And it says there that I'm going to go, go, go to Damascus and it'll be told thee all the things that are appointed for thee to do. Paul had a job. He was going to be appointed. Back in Acts chapter 9, he, uh, Jesus tells Ananias that he's a chosen vessel for me. That he's going to take this message to the, to the kings, to the Gentiles, to the children of Israel. And he's going to preach the word and he's going to convert souls. And he's going to tell people of all the things that he has seen of me. Kind of like what he's doing now. But it's the same for us. We don't have the same job as Paul, the apostle. We don't. But as we've been going through on Sunday nights, so we've been, or, or Sunday nights, su uh, Sunday mornings, this is Wednesday night, Sunday mornings, we've been talking about the, the Great Commission and how that is something that I believe is appointed for us to do, to go out and preach the Word of God, that we bring souls to Him. So it's a similar thing that we should, we should do and have the same mindset here as Paul. And, and he continues on, he says in Acts chapter 22, verse 12, And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good re report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers has chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. So for one, every time we read this story, we should be amazed and in awe every time. What a wonderful thing that is happening here to Saul of Tarsus. He said, you are appointed, you are chosen, not only to see that just one, which is Jesus, but to hear the words or the voice out of his mouth, which is Jesus, and then tell people about all, all these things. But if you recall, he says here, Ananias, a devout man according to the law and a good, good report with the, with, with the Jews, that Ananias was a Christian. He was, uh, for me, when I read this, he was probably a Jew who became a Christian, but he kind of emphasizes the Jewish part just a little bit for that audience there. They may have known Ananias as well. Maybe, maybe not, because he, he's in Damascus. But he's kind of emphasizing these things to try to get these people to be in that mindset. And it says here that the God of our fathers has chosen you. Acts chapter 22, verse 15 and 16. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And he said in verse 16, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And I've stopped right here. And I bet you can guess why. That here, the Bible says that Saul 
saw this light, that it was Jesus, and he, and he tells him to go to Damascus, and it'll be told thee what is appointed for, uh, for you to do, right? And if you recall from Acts chapter 9, it says that he was there praying. Jesus told Ananias, Behold, Saul prayeth. And he's praying, and he's praying, and he's praying for three days. Prayer, prayer, prayer. And, we, and he's without sight. And then Ananias comes because Jesus sends Ananias. And, and Ananias says, Arise, it's time for you to go to work. But first, here's what you need to do. He says, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You know, Mark chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Calling on the name of the Lord is done in baptism. If you hear somebody say that calling on the name of the Lord is just in prayer asking Jesus to come into your heart and be saved, that is not true. That's not biblical. It's not what the Bible teaches. But I hear it all the time. And you guys have heard it all your lives. The, the older guys, I don't mean to point at the older guys, have heard it their whole lives. It's not true. It's not right. The Bible here says that if you want to be saved, you be baptized and wash away your sins. That is how you are calling on the name of the Lord. You can kind of see some of the confusion there. When I first thought about calling on the name of the Lord, I thought calling on the name of the Lord. But it takes study and it takes diligence to, uh, to see that. But people want to just wash out baptism. They just want to wash it away. It's not even necessary. You don't even need to do it. So I made a little list. You know, we've been going through the, the book of Acts, have we not? And this is not an exhaustive list, but if you think about all the studying that we've done through the entire book of Acts, it is baptism, baptism, baptism. It is necessary for salvation. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 41, the 3,000 souls were, were saved, and they were baptized on that day. They gladly received that word and, and were baptized. Simon and others, there were others that heard Philip, and they were baptized in Acts chapter 8. And then Simon also believed that he was baptized. Further on in Acts chapter 8, 36, the Ethiopian eunuch. What does hinder me to be baptized? Do you need to be baptized? Well, absolutely. He wouldn't have asked it if he didn't need to be baptized. Here in Acts chapter 9, verse 18, which is what we are talking about now. This is Paul giving his offense. He's recalling what happened to him back in Acts chapter 9. It says that he, was, he, he was baptized. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius there and, and, the, and the Gentiles being added there, being baptized there. Lydia and her household. Lydia and her household were baptized. The, the, uh, the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 as well and his household were baptized. Crispus and his household in Acts chapter 18 were baptized. Acts chapter 19 is when Paul met certain disciples. He only knew the baptism of John and then he told them about Jesus and they said, you got it. And they were baptized. It is necessary to be baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that is what is happening here in Acts chapter 22 that he's telling these people, arise and be baptized. I'm going to get to it again at the end, but you guys think about that. If you are not baptized tonight, why tarryest thou? It needs to be done. It has to be done. That's what Ananias told Paul or Saul. He said, you need to rise and be baptized, and then you get to go to work. And it's a wonderful, glorious work that we can do as well ourselves. Acts chapter 22, verse 17 and 19, they're continuing on. The Bible says in verse 17, And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. And I saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. 
Verse 19, and I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. So here he's saying he's in the temple, he's praying, he's in a trance, and he sees Jesus speaking to him, and Jesus says, get out of Jerusalem. Jesus is protecting him. You've got work to do, and it's not here right now. It's, it's here now that we're talking about Acts chapter 22, but not at that moment. And he says, get out. And, he, and, 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 and he's going to tell him he's going to send him to the Gentiles. And Paul says here, Lord, they, they know who I am. Do you have, do you have that feeling sometimes? Just, just, just think about that. You are a Christian. You have been baptized. You are ready to do the work, but, but people know me in this town. People know who I am. They may know some things that I've done. Paul felt the exact same way. He says, can I do this? It's natural for people to feel that way. It says, they know what I've done. They know I imprisoned and beat people that believe in you, Lord. It says there in verse 20, and when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I was also standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. But to me, just thinking about that, you know, Stephen was probably on Paul's mind his entire life. It was something that he constantly thought about. If you look in 1 Corinthians, if you look in Galatians, if you look in Philippians, he brings it up. And he says, they know what I've done. But Jesus is basically telling him, that doesn't matter. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Not only that, you're going to go talk to the children of Israel and you are going to be an example, a chosen vessel that is going to go out and establish churches and preach the gospel and bring souls unto me. And you got to put that behind you, Paul. And it took Paul a long time. As a matter of fact, those there in Jerusalem, it, it took them a long time to accept Paul because they knew all those things that he did. You know, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, if you would. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. This is one of those accounts where Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippi. And he brings these things up. He brings these thoughts up, but he puts it into perspective. If you are feeling the same way, that I'm not sure if I can be baptized because of what I've done, you can. God and Jesus Christ can wash away any sin and every sin. But maybe people think they know me. They know what I've done. Look at this. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 here, Paul writing, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but... For you, it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil, beware of workers, beware of, of the concision. For we are of the circumcision, we are of the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. He says in verse 5, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung or rubbish, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. So he's speaking there about the old law and that they're not under the old law. They're under Christ here. They're under faith. But he says there that if you want to, if you think that you have confidence in that, he says, look at me. 
He says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was taught at the feet of Gamaliel, as we just read in Acts chapter 22, as a stock of Benjamin. And he just goes on and on. I had zeal for God. The entire time that Paul was persecuting the church, he thought he was doing God a favor. He thought he was doing right by sending these people to prison. And he says, all those things, that zeal that I had, being a part of the law, being a part of that tribe of Benjamin, all those things, he says, I count them as lost so that I can gain Christ. He said, Christ is better, Christ is excellent. And he says, I count all those things. Because think about the people that Paul lost when he became a Christian. Think about maybe some of the friends or some of those Jewish people that he had gone. They didn't care for Paul. As a matter of fact, they want Paul dead. And he's basically like, kill me then, because I have Jesus Christ and his way is excellent. And all those things I count as rubbish so that I may win Christ. He puts it into perspective, even though he thinks about that, because he's still brought up persecuting the church. He brought it up here in, the, in Philippians. But he's pushing through that because he has Christ. And we, if we have some roadblock, if there's some Stephen-type issue in our way, get it out of the way. Get past that and through this so that you can do the work that is appointed for all of us to do. Acts chapter 22, verse 22, the Bible says, And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air. Verse 24, The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade or said that he should be examined by scourging or whipping, that he might know wherefore they cried so against him so he says all these things he's trying to make them understand but to me i think that one big word that might have set them off to start throwing dust around was the gentiles he said jesus sent me to the gentiles they don't want to hear about the gentiles they're mad that they think that he brought gentiles into the temple that's what they beat him for and they want nothing to do with them they said this man is not even fit to live he should die and then they start casting out their clothes and throwing dust in the air to me i get this a vision of a violent mob of crazy people wanting to take Paul and beat him to death or rip him apart. Luckily, this chief captain, who's not really on his side at the moment, but takes him and says, you know what, I'm gonna, I want him to go to the castle and I'm going to scourge him. And I'm going to whip him. I'm going to beat him so that I can see why, why are these people crying out against him. So he's going to do basically what he's supposed to do. Not to Paul, he's going to point that out in a second, but he's going to go get that confession out of Paul. That's the whole point of him taking him and, and whipping him there and, and examining him in such a way that he gets that confession so that he can clearly understand or have that evidence of why these people want him dead. So the audience did not heed his words. The audience did not care about his words. They still want Paul dead, and this captain is taking him away. Verse 25, and as they bound him with thongs, and that's like a leather strapping. That's like they lashed him together, not like chains, but like, they, like getting, almost kind of getting him bound for this process of, of scourging here. Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? <clears throat> when the centurion heard that, he went and told the, the, the chief captain, saying, take heed what thou doest. For this man is, is a Roman. So he, he pumps the brakes, so to speak. He's like, wait a second. You're a Roman. Not only should they not do this, they shouldn't have done what they've already done to Paul. That's against the law, too. They're not supposed to bound or bind someone like that. 
if you uh, recall a couple chapters back when they were at Ephesus, that there's, there's a lawful. You need to take your place to the courts and do all these things. Romans had laws, and they were not supposed to take a Roman and bound him like this and certainly not examine him in that fashion. Verse 27, the, the chief captain said, and the chief captain came. <clears throat> he came down himself and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? And he said, Yea. <clears throat> this chief captain comes down himself, asked Paul, you're Roman. Paul says, Yes. Verse 20, And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was freeborn. I mean, Paul just ups him. You know what I mean? This guy, this chief captain, apparently bought his freedom, probably for a large sum of money. I don't know how much money, but he bought his freedom. And Paul says, I was born free. I was born a citizen. So pumping the brake some more now. They're like, oh, no. What have we done? You know, Paul in Acts chapter 16, verse 37, does the same thing. If you recall from Acts chapter 16, that's when Paul and Silas cast out this demon from this damsel. These guys lost their money from the soothsaying that she did, and they throw them in prison. They throw Paul and Silas in prison. And then the prison shakes. They, 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 they're, they're all there. They convert that, uh, uh, that uh, Philippian jailer. And then, the, the, uh, then they say, hey, Paul, you, you can go. And Paul said in Acts chapter 37, you threw us in prison and you beat us and you did all these things and we are Romans. He said, no, you can come fetch us yourself. And they made those chief captains there back in Acts chapter 16 come and fetch them themselves. So this is well within Paul's right to bring up his Roman citizenship. And I don't think we would do any different. Paul's earlier statement from earlier chapters, I am ready to go, I am ready to be bound, I'm ready to die at Jerusalem, stands. That's not what, what this is about. It's not that Paul is not willing to die for Jesus Christ, absolutely. But in this situation, I don't think we would do any differently. We should be ready to die for Jesus Christ ourselves, but we don't just run out looking for the bullet, do we? No. So Paul is saying he's bringing up his Roman citizenship. And he gets out of this examination. He gets out of this scourging here. And he tells him, I am a freeborn citizen. In Acts chapter 22, verse 29 here, the Bible says, Then straightway they departed from him which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he, that, that, that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. So it says there that he was afraid, not only because he's a Roman, but because he bound him. He shouldn't have done those things. So this chief captain is already afraid because he could be the one that's going to be examined, so to speak, later on. He should not have done what he's done to, to Paul. Those Roman laws that are set in place there. Verse 30, on, on the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all the council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. So there's this, it was still a giant uproar. This huge mob wants to kill Paul, and these chief captains still, still want to know why. They're not going to examine him that way anymore, but they still need to know why. They still need to go through that process. So why, why are they accusing you of these things? So Paul has sat down with the Sanhedrin council, basically. He sat down. And they're going to examine him. He's going to get his chance to speak in front of them as well. And that is actually the end of the chapter. So just like Brother Aaron kind of left us off, 
you know, with like, what's going to happen next? Uh, please stay tuned. Please be here for that, ne that next chapter so that you can see what is going to happen to Paul. That is, you can see what Christ is going to do here with Paul. That at, those, at this moment, he's sat down in front of this council and he's about to speak to, uh, to, to them as well. And I'm not going to get into that tonight. That is the, the end of our chapter. But if you recall from earlier in our chapter, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Have you arisen and been baptized and had your sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord? If you have not, seriously consider it. Look inside yourself. Jesus is calling you. It might, it's not Saul, Saul. It's your name. And he's saying, you come. That invitation there is for anybody who has not become a child of God, who has not been baptized, who is not repented. Jesus is ready and willing and wanting you just like he was ready and really willing and wanting Saul of Tarsus there. He's got a job for you to do. You are a chosen vessel as well. You could be a part of that royal priesthood that we could go about and be those peculiar people that are set apart, that try to bring more people to be set apart so that we can be those slaves and those servants of Jesus Christ and not those slaves of service of sin. And the only way to, to change that slavery, so to speak, is to come to Jesus Christ and be baptized. If you are a child of Christ and you need the prayers of the church or there's anything that we can help you with, we ask that you please come sit on the front row, make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.